I have a pet peeve of chicken wings, like people who eat chicken wings and there's still half the chicken wing on the bone, but they call it it being eaten. Yeah. So I took all their kids' chicken wings, piled them up on a plate, and finished all of them. We can't put that on the air. And you're proud of yourself? (laughs) I'm not proud. You are. You just went... Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit, do better. So together we can be a little better. Well, welcome to A Little Better. We are here at week two of my first Christmas. So Drew, thanks again for bringing a great message. As we always do, why don't you give it to us in 60? Michelle, welcome to the podcast again as Thank well. You. Oh, I forgot the welcome. That's fine. Stuart. I got you. I got, I got you I'm back. Here. I'm, here. I'm here. Sermon is 60. So we are in week two of my first Christmas. We're looking at the names or titles of God. We looked at Emmanuel, the context in Isaiah 7 and how it came about. And then ultimately talking about the gift of presence. And the holiday reminds us that God's presence with us is so significant. And our presence can be significant to other people. And so the challenge was ultimately... One, spend time in God's presence. Like God is waiting for us. He's inviting us in. And what a gift we have to be able to be with God. And then out of being with God, he reminds us that our presence with other people, like our family, um, people far from God, and those who feel lonely need our presence to invite them in. And so uh, what a beautiful title that God has that reminds us of that. All right. I often ask Drew, what did he leave on the table? I could ask Michelle what she wished you included in this sermon. Do you want to go for it, Michelle? Or should we give it to Drew? Well, I'll hear from Drew first. Okay. I mean, so Isaiah 7 is a really complex prophecy. We just looked at one of the prophecies of the many in there. And so, you know, there's always like a, a an opportunity to kind of like break that, break that down, walk through some of the significance, how prophecy works. And like, not only like the different types of prophecies of like, you know, prophecies that were specific for Ahaz and then prophecies that were specific for the future and the coming of Christ. And so that can get really hard and heady and bog you down. So I wish I could have walked through that, but it might've felt more like a seminary class than a like weekend service. Practical sermon. Yeah. 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 I think my favorite part of your sermon was talking about the ministry of presence and just how being with other people is ministering to them. Mm -hmm. Um, like that, that presence of the Holy spirit in a Christian Mm -hmm. is what ministers to other people. And I think we think about like spending time with other people. We don't always like give the Holy spirit credit for like, this is doing something that we're, Mm -hmm. that we're with them. Um, obviously we need to work out our faith faith and act that out and share words about, you know, about Christ, but just being with people is, is that ministry. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think that was my, that was my favorite part. And like, I would, I could have just heard so much more yeah. about that. How does that work? What mm-hmm. is that like for people who are lonely for yeah. Christians who are lonely that get mm-hmm. that opportunity to be with other people? What is that? Just, there's just so much to the ministry of presence and to the way that God works in our souls when we are close, when we are close. Yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering if we have two series here or one. So we're calling it My First Christmas. And so what we have kicked off each week with is stories from people who have you know, come to Christ mm-hmm. in the last year for whom this is their first Christmas as a Christian, their first Christmas understanding what it really means and how it's totally transformed. And you're doing a series on these titles of Christ. Are they, 
are they, do they connect somehow or are these parallel tracks? Yeah, I think if you would like, if you had room in the design, you, you could almost call the series seeing Christmas like your first Christmas. Hmm. And so we're sharing stories of people who are actually living that out for the very first time. But mm-hmm. then it's also a call back to us as Christ followers who've been following Jesus, celebrating Christmas after Christmas to see Jesus again, like mm-hmm. we did for the very first time. And the way we're doing that is through understanding who he is by his name and his titles. Yeah. So is it appropriate to say we're trying to get back to that first Christmas? I mean, when it was new, why was it new? It was new because Emmanuel, yeah. God, was with us in a way that was never true before. Yeah. The rest. So, yeah, well, I'm enjoying, you know, if it's two series or one, I'm enjoying them both <laughs> either, either way. So um, we talked about, uh, so in terms of one thing that was on my mind that we didn't talk too much about, in the pre-preach, we're always talking about what about, what about, what about, and sometimes there's like a thread you want to pull on, but you know if you pull on it, you know, it's your sermon's now 15 minutes longer. Yeah. So one of those threads for me, and I think it kind of came up, well, let's just talk about, is you talked about how new the presence of God is for all of us individually. Like before, it was something that was very rare, very far away. It's in the temple. It's in the tabernacle. It's it's something that we mere mortals don't really get to be a part of. But now, through Christ, through Christmas, through Emmanuel, we get God wants to be present with each and every one of us. So that that was hugely powerful and emotional, you know, for me. So not only is it just these little places, it's it's everywhere, but also. I think we went back and forth on whether or not we talked about God's presence killing us in the Old Testament. And we talked, so there's also a problem with presence with how, how do we as sinners get into the presence of a, of, of a holy God? Hmm. Was that something more to talk about there? I mean, I was kind of curious about how the Old Testament and New Testament fit together that way. Yeah, I mean, in the Old Testament... It was like Moses climbing up the mountain, seeking mm-hmm. out, like God said, I will give you the, the Ten Commandments. Come on up here. Come to me. And so there was this like uh, like holy, reverent approach mm-hmm. to the presence of God. Same thing with like the Holy of Holies inside the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. There was this one person a year, or a specific person from a specific family with mm-hmm. a specific call, on, and, and, and he would be the person that would approach. And they would actually tie a rope around him in case he fell dead. So right. that they could pull him back because no one else right. would want to enter the Holy of Holies if they weren't the person that God had assigned. Mm-hmm. So there was this whole separation between a holy God and then and then the people. And if you approached God in the ways that he commanded, then he was welcoming. Mm-hmm. And if you were, but you couldn't approach, you know, the, that sin, if you were to sin and mm-hmm. try to say, oh, I'm going to go to the Holy of Holies today because I mm-hmm. want to be close to God, that wasn't really an option at that point. Mm-hmm. And now in the New Testament, that is an option. We can approach God and we can approach God with our sinfulness and mm-hmm. in the knowledge that he is going to accept us mm-hmm. and, and he doesn't have all of those different barriers. Mm-hmm. Like when Jesus died on the cross, one of the big things that happened was that the, that the veil that was keeping the Holy of Holies from mm-hmm. the other parts of the temple was torn in half, meaning come on in, right? Yeah, yeah. I, and I think it's important <clears throat> to understand like Old Testament in New Testament, we have the same God, okay? Mm-hmm. So we have yes. God in his holiness and God in his graciousness, right? Mm-hmm. Those things, are they don't change. Right. But how God displays or 
does things mm-hmm. can change, right? right? Just even from the Old Testament, the law is a huge piece of pointing people to their sinfulness. Mm-hmm. In the New Testament, God uses Jesus and his sacrifice, something, so you see the same God using different methods to ultimately point to the same truth. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to be careful in all of that. It's easy in the Old Testament to think that God's presence is this horrible, bad thing. And in the New Testament, it's now a good thing. No, God's presence is always a -hmm. good thing, right? When, when in the Old Testament, when Israel lost God's presence. It never was good for them, right? right? Mm -hmm. But how God uses it can be different at certain times. Yeah. I think in some ways, I feel like the Old Testament saints took advance payment on what would happen in Christ. So like Jesus says, Abraham saw me and was glad, right? So Abraham saw his Savior. David, he delighted to be in the presence of God. But he knew that that grace, that's only going to come through eventually, you know, the Davidic line through the Savior, yep. you know, who eventually comes. So yeah, I, you know, Old Testament, there are people who are hungry for the presence of God, but we all get it through Christ. Um, so I, I know that sometimes I hear it described as imminence versus transcendence, okay? So like the imminence, the closeness of God, the nearness, the intimacy of God versus transcendence of God. I mean, we're He's creator, we're creatures, he's holy, he's entirely separate. So in some ways, I think we can <clears throat> go to one extreme or the other, sure. right? But do you think, Drew, you said, I think you said, I, I, I know you said in pre-preach, don't remember if you said in your sermon, but um, hang time, you know, nothing would hinder her hang time <laughs> with Jesus. So are, are we too chummy with God? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great question. Um, one, just to remind everybody, we say pre-preach a lot. It's just the time I preach my message before I actually preach it on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I lean probably more to making time with God mm-hmm. casual. Um, but you, we can't forget that God is God too. Uh-huh. So, like, there, I think there has to be a healthy balance of man. I can approach God freely and confidently. That's what the scriptures say. But I also am approaching God, right? Mm -hmm. Holy, perfect, flawless God. And so I I think it doesn't matter what words you use to describe it, as long as we have a perspective of who God is and what he did for us, but also the reality that God does want to be with us. He does Mm want to just hang out with us and be present with us and talk with us and us talk with him and us worship with people to him. So I I don't know. I lean the... I I feel like there's like a comfort and familiarity when you're walking with Jesus and and you're striving to follow after him, right? You're walking in the light as like you would see in 1 John. That is, there's a comfort to that. Like, Mm -hmm. like you're Adam and Eve walking with God in the garden versus, oh, I know I'm doing this little thing over here that I'm not supposed to do, but like for the most part, my Christian walk is really good. And I'm still reading my Bible and praying, even though I'm doing this little thing over here. So, so it's okay. Well, your closeness with God Mm -hmm. is now broken, right? So you're trying to hide a little, just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think when we have that split personality as a Christian, which let's face it, that happens for all of us. Maybe it's for a month, maybe it's for a week, maybe Mm -hmm. it's for longer. Mm -hmm. And and when you have that, all of a sudden the fear of God is upon you. And so I think we experience both of those things. We experience this intimate, 
God. And then we also, when we start to sin against him, mm-hmm. all of a sudden that like, oh, he is big and he is real mm-hmm. and like his commands are serious. And I think that the Holy Spirit is our guide. So like the Holy Spirit's going to help us in those moments to, to recognize the intimacy of God in those good moments, but also to recognize that like, what you're doing is not right. He's going to call us to account. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. part of the part of the Holy Spirit's job. And I think knowing like where you land, like some of us land too casual with God and mm-hmm. we take sin casually and mm-hmm. we have to shift course. Mm-hmm. Some of us, we, we make God too reverent where people don't feel like they can approach God. Right. And we probably need to make God a little less approachable. And so mm-hmm. I think knowing which, which, which perspective mm-hmm. you lean towards knowing how to like, okay, I got to be careful here because I'm making God something he's not anymore. And so I think it's important to just know. And even how we communicate to people is how people shape their theology about God, right? If we say, oh yeah, we hang with God all the time. Well, like, okay, does that give people a picture, an accurate picture of that God is, yes, our friend. He is there for us, but he is also way different than us. You know, mm-hmm. and or on the opposite spectrum, it goes the other way. Let me ask a follow-up question to that, and I don't know I don't care who starts to answer this one, but um, is it right to tell someone walking in the door, "You're totally fine. You're okay with God." I'm. I'm not sure I follow the question. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, we were saying, "Hey, God loves you. He wants to be with you. Wants your, you know, your presence." And someone walks in, say. And they just say, awesome. I always thought that anyway. I'm a perfectly fine individual. You know, why wouldn't God want to hang, you know, you know, you know, with me? Do we, um, do we, commu- do we, I don't know, get the carpet before the horse? Do we talk about them being intimate with God before we tell them about a holy God? Um, or wh- where, where do we talk about a holy God, you know? in their journey at Northridge. Did I, did I ask a question? I, I, I th- I'm getting blank I mean, I think looks here. What you're saying, like, <laughs> I, I don't think you can, like, what is love outside the context of God's holiness? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, God does love you. The evidence of that is his holiness because he couldn't stay in sin, gave up perfection to love you enough to die for your sin. So mm-hmm. like, I, I don't think you can take one without the other because I think they both together point to who God is. Uh-huh. And so, no, I don't. I I think it's inaccurate to tell people, "Hey, God loves you," without the evidence of that love, mm-hmm. right? And so, it's like any relationship. I can look at Michelle and be like, "Michelle, I love you," but if I act in a way that isn't loving to Michelle, she's not going to believe me. Mm-hmm. And so, if we just tell people, "Hey, God loves you," "Hey, God loves you," "God wants to be with you," okay, that's half of what the story is, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is true that God does love you. And the evidence of that love is you didn't deserve his love. You weren't worthy of his love. And he died to save you from the thing that made you unlovable, that you chose sin. And the evidence is that he did that for you. And so you can not only know God loves you, you can see the evidence of it. So it's a full picture. Thanks for rescuing that ramble on my part, by the way. (laughs) I love that, you know, you know, Love without evidence, yeah. you know, of the love. Yeah, I think culturally sometimes we pit judgment versus um, just like acceptance. Mm-hmm. So like if if you care about me and you want to spend time with me, you either need to accept me and my lifestyle and everything that I'm doing and just be okay with everything that I'm doing and have no opinions about it. That's how the, some people define love and yeah. acceptance, right? Yeah, well, yeah. love would be acceptance. Yeah, love would be acceptance. Um, and not having, and not necessarily having like, 
when it comes to a Christian walk, there's like this biblical standard, right? For like, here's how God says that mm-hmm. we should live our lives. Mm-hmm. And then, so that, that would be, you know, different than an acceptance view. And then if, if I think sometimes we pit acceptance versus like judgment. So if you're not going to accept me, then you're, then you're judging me. Um, and I, and I think that as Christians, there has to be a line that we walk that says like, I know and understand that you don't believe the way that I do. And, and I can still love you yeah. in those moments, but this is how I'm living. And this is, this is like where I'm coming in. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that, that we as Christian people are the ones that are doing any kind of judgment that is completely in God's arena. Um, and that's, and so I think, I think that those two things often get pitted against one another. Mm -hmm. Um, and it can make it hard when we talk about Christian love we talk about God and and sin. And what does that mean Mm -hmm. that I'm sinner? What does that mean that somebody has sinned or that why would God be killing people for being wanting to come into his presence in the old Testament? Mm -hmm. I think all of that can be really hard to grasp in Mm -hmm. a, in a culture of an acceptance mindset. Um, and so I, I just, I think that, you know, that, that sometimes we just need to to sit and soak in that a little bit because it is so very different than right. what we are continually drinking in and maybe even what we believe. Right. Yeah. Um, so what I loved about your sermon, Drew, many things, but just the thrust of it seemed to be just reminding us that God is pursuing us because I know that a lot of times, you know, people might feel like they're being told, hey, go pursue God, you know, go find him. But to, to know that God is pursuing us. And you just went through scripture after scripture after scripture that just showed what a priority it was for God to be with us, to make a way to be with us, present with us. And you think about that chase starting at the garden, right? I mean, we broke fellowship with God. We became sinners. We were cast out of the garden and, then, and God never stopped pursuing us. So my question is what, and either one want to answer this in terms of what do you say to people who... Um, are just, they find that hard to believe. They might find that hard to believe because they think, I'm just not worthy. God doesn't want anything to do with me. I'm not worthy. I'm too messed up. I'm too broken. Or I'm too skeptical. You know, come on. Are you telling me the creator of the universe cares about the ants, you know, walking around on this planet? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Either one, what would you say to people who are having it hard to believe that God is pursuing them for those reasons? I find it hard to believe. Mm. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, it it, it is hard to believe. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's not an ordinary thing that God wants to be with the people who rejected him. Yeah. Right? Like that is, it goes against everything that we mm-hmm. want to be true, right? right? Like when people reject us, we don't want to pursue them. We, okay, yeah. peace out. See you later. Mm-hmm. And it is hard to believe. And so I actually think like at some level, it being hard to believe is a good first place to be mm-hmm. because I think that's where your heart begins to soften a little bit. Now, someone who's like a skeptic of that, yeah. um, one, I, I get you, I understand you, but what I would challenge a skeptic is walk towards God's presence, right? Walk towards God. Even if you, you are a skeptic of him, walk mm-hmm. towards him. And what the reality is, is you're not going to walk towards God until he begins walking towards you. Mm. That's the thing, right? I don't think humanity can walk towards God mm-hmm. until God walks towards them. Mm-hmm. That's the pursuit of God that's so beautiful. It's like we have no shot of getting to God. He draws near to us. 
Mm-hmm. And in that, I would challenge a skeptic, just try, walk towards God. Yeah. Walk towards him and see, not in an instant, not even in a moment, not even in like a year, but as you walk towards God, see what he does. Yeah. Michelle, any people in your life resisting this truth that are come to mind and just think of how you'd respond to them? Uh. Yeah, I mean, I won't show their names or stories. No, no but, names. But uh, <laughs> let's keep that private. Um, but yeah, I, I think, man, I, I think sometimes we resist it because we have such a small view of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we're just so consumed with thinking about ourselves because life is so hard. Mm. And, and I think um, it's just hard to accept the fact that somebody would think of us that way. Yeah. There's this verse in Psalm 37 that I've been reading a lot lately, and it's, it talks about how it says, God cares about every little detail of my life, mm-hmm. and he's holding my hand. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's just so sweet. It doesn't seem real. It's just so mm. beautiful and sweet that God would be caring about every little thing. And I think sometimes we just have to say that to ourselves when we don't believe that God, like, why would God care about these little things? He's the creator, right? right. Um, for the skeptic, you know, I think, and I, I love, I love Drew's answer that we just have to, we have to kind of take take a next step. And I think one of the prayers that I've prayed in, in times of doubting is just like, you know, God, I'm thinking about you. I don't believe, but help my unbelief. Mm -hmm. Like I, I know that I have a problem here with believing in Mm -hmm. you and Mm -hmm. you are the source of that faith. So like, help me out. Like if you are who you say you are, you can do this. So help me. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think, I think that that there's a humility in our posture with God that God just really wants to respond to. Um, and so when we come to him with like a lack of belief, but we're willing to come to him, we're willing to take that step of pursuit, um, and, and response to God's pursuit of us that we see, we see him meet us there. Yeah. I love, love both those, those answers. Um, just, and I think about, too, for the skeptic, I, it's just, I don't know how someone with God, without God has any basis to feel worthy or have any worth at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise, we are just victims of circumstance, chance, randomness, you know, the strong taking advantage of the weak, you know. But, you know, so even if you don't believe it's true, in our hearts, we all know. I mean, that's, 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 that's I mean... So I, I too have people who are resisting this truth, you yeah. know, that I love, that I'm close to, too dearly. And I guess what I'm praying for is, before they're convinced it is true, I, don't, I want them to see that they need it to be true, that mm. there's no hope without it yeah. being mm-hmm. true. But that is the hope, mm. you know, of Christmas. And if these things weren't in Scripture, how it would be so arrogant for us to say them. But God says them explicitly for us in, in Scripture. He wants to be with us. He cares about every yeah. detail of our lives. So thanks, Michelle, Drew, for those reminders. Well, listen, hey, I'm loving the series. Uh, I, I guess I say we're halfway done because we do conclude. I mean, Christmas Eve really will be the conclusion of this series. And uh, so you definitely all want to be around for that. But in between, be back next week for week three of My First Christmas. 